The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Deep melancholic tones fill the mind as oscillating warped voices swirl through the air. This space has the uncanny feeling of a descent into an uncertain and ever-shifting hell. This scene, Losing Sanity, is brought to you by Describe. Describe. Ready roleplay. Visit Describe.com slash RPGBot and use code RPGBot at checkout for 5% off your first subscription payment. Welcome to this special RPGBot.QuickStart, How to Play Call of Cthulhu Part 4. In this episode, Tyler and I will tell Ash about what stood out to us in our Call of Cthulhu session and ask a couple questions about the system that we didn't demonstrate in the session that we played. With me to do this is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And Ash Eli. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the main adventure. And <laughs> as usual, I'm Randall James. So, thoughts? On Call of Cthulhu so far. I had a ton of fun. Oh, <laughs> like, like that was really cool. Like it it felt it felt very like mundane investigation getting going. Like we had a chance, we got to know the characters a little bit, we got to wander around and talk to people, and then like we found the first clue. It's like, oh, there's a mystery here. And it's not just Scooby-Doo villains. It's uh like there's some stuff. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty typical for Call of Cthulhu. Pretty much every Call of Cthulhu game is kind of a mystery of something that you have to figure out. Um, that's why the player characters are called investigators. That makes a lot of sense now that you mm. explain it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I another thing that was new for me, so I played a lot of 5e at this point. I played a reasonable amount of PF2, so a lot of like dungeon uh, fantasy tabletop. Playing something that felt more modern, more like I'm walking down the street in my own neighborhood, it, it felt different and it was actually really nice to do. The other thing I took away from it is if I wanted to bring new folks into tabletop gaming and they weren't so sure about the dungeon fantasy, this would feel really natural because you know almost everybody who consumes media understands like pulp if you want to get into that. They certainly understand kind of a, a 1920s setting you know the kinds of conversations how you expect people to behave and act how you expect people to engage with you they're also everybody's familiar with the horror genre the mystery genre and kind of that that uncertainty of stepping foot into an investigation so i feel like the the transition from i know this genre and therefore i feel comfortable role playing in it feels a lot smoother than bringing the average person into dungeon fantasy yeah, I think it is definitely more accessible because not everybody likes fantasy, but everybody loves those old timey noir movies like Casablanca and stuff like that, or even just a good horror. And you know, you don't have to play horror if that's not what you want to do. There's Pulp Cthulhu. You can play sort of a swashbuckling adventure like the Indiana Jones or you know uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth or stuff like that. Uh, really harkens back to those pulpy like sci-fi adventure stuff and that's kind of what i like about it is it's pretty accessible to people who because not everybody likes fantasy 
Yeah. So I feel like the entire session went really smoothly. You know, character creation uh, was super easy in part two. Actually playing the session was easy. You know, we talked a little bit about the mechanics of like, no kidding, what does it mean to roll? But I think once we got through it, that was very straightforward. Even the leveling mechanic that we went through at the back end was very straightforward. I, I guess I say all that to say like, was there any complexity that we hit away? Is there anything about the system that's a little bit harder when you get into those details? I think that the complexity really comes from just sort of figuring out which skills are going to be more useful in a situation than others. And some of the complexity really comes from uh, skill contests and stuff like that, which we didn't uh, get to touch on too much. For the most part, Cthulhu it, it can seem on the surface like a really complicated and hard system, but it actually is pretty straightforward and simple. Especially if you're coming from something like 5th edition D&D or especially Pathfinder, Call of Cthulhu is going to seem really simple because you're only good at a few set number of things and the stuff that you're doing isn't necessarily constant and it's stuff that you can more easily wrap your mind around, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. You bring up the idea of, um, you know, contest or contested skill checks. Uh, I guess that leads into, we didn't have combat. We made the decision not to fight the ghoul. Honestly, from the roleplay perspective, it's certainly how I would have handled it. Of, mm -hmm. you know what? I get to peace out. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm out <laughs> <Yeah>. of here. <laughs> yeah, and combat can get a little dicey uh, really quickly, like really fast. And I think that's going to be the biggest shock to someone who's coming from classic dungeon fantasy, is that, oh... Uh, it's the first round and I'm already almost dead. So <laughs> um, that can be kind of a shock. Oh, you mean I'm not invulnerable? Because <laughs> um, situ a situation, it is shocking how quickly a situation can spiral just from the minute go. But again, I think that if that's gonna, if that's a big turnoff for you, if that's something that is like, that doesn't sound like a fun time to me that's really what pulp cthulhu is for is pulp cthulhu your characters are definitely able to take a hit more and they feel more like dungeon like uh uh D, D characters so the thing that i recommend people is like yeah if you want to do classic cthulhu that's great just know what you're getting into but if you're trying to transition to a new system and you think that 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 uh, a modern system is like a cool idea uh, from D and D, like especially if you're coming from D and D, maybe try Pulp Cthulhu first. Yeah, that was actually one of my big takeaways from the concepts and themes episode we did as part one. W when you called out that, like, yeah, if you're fighting anything other than a person, you're probably going to die. <laughs> like that has to be the expectation. I, I may have over exaggerated a little bit, but yes, <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, I saw my character stats. I don't know if I could have survived a fight with a person. You definitely would not have. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, had, you I, I had like seventy stats. in dodge. Seventy in dodge is really good, actually. <laughs> yeah, that, um, I tried to compensate, but but your health was <laughs> garbage. It was <laughs> real bad. I have more fingers on one hand than I had hit points. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and he's not a mutant, so. <laughs> so since characters are are so frail in cthulhu um like bog standard cthulhu not pulp uh and we we did the we did the advancement phase towards the end of the the episode three um and i rolled terribly and didn't advance at all so 
what does a character feel like in long-term play? Like, since you're so frail and advancement can be inconsistent, unreliable, and even when it does happen, it's fairly slow, like, what does it feel like to play the same character long-term? So this is something that I don't have as much experience on, so people who have played longer than I have can feel free to correct me. But the thing that uh, that is different about Call of Cthulhu is you advance rather slowly, like you said, as opposed to in D&D where you're getting something new every level or whatever. The The difference that you are you are improving every session, unlike D&D where you, you'll go sessions without gaining a level or whatever. So there, there, you, there is a marked improvement in your character. But I think the appeal of the, how, how the character works is you get less invested in the mechanics of the character. And it's more focused on the role play aspect of the character, like the character's like personal stake in the story as well as the story itself. So that's why like, Call of Cthulhu is definitely more of like a story-based game rather than like a combat-focused or action-based game. You'll go around the world, maybe in like uh, in the pages of Near Lethotep, which is one of their most famous globe-trotting adventure campaigns. You're going all over the world, and it can be very fun. And yeah, you just have to accept in the back of your mind that the threat to your character dying is always there, but that makes the stakes feel a lot more real. And every time you survive to another session, it feels like an accomplishment. And so while it can be frustrating for someone who's used to gain power a lot really quickly, I know a few of my friends who would absolutely hate this game because they don't like slow character progression. But that's not the point of the game. The point of the game is not a power fantasy. It's a storytelling fantasy uh, about you know horror and surviving in a world dealing with forces that are beyond your understanding. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. One of my big takeaways, too, from the concepts and themes is on the topic of sanity that, yeah, my, my character might be getting better and better every session, but if I'm not careful with the resource of my own sanity, I might still burn the character hot and out and then wind up having to, to roll a new character in order to continue in the campaign. That is true, but the, there are ways to get sanity back. Uh, we didn't really touch on those at the end of the session. So sometimes keepers can reward sanity for good role play. Like if you make a specific step in your character arc, the keeper can do that. Uh, the the classic way to do to regain sanity there's there's three ways. Uh, well four i would say so when you improve a skill to 90 percent, you gain back some sanity no in between sessions the the time between sessions it varies based on the on the chronicle that you're running but sometimes months or or even years can go by between sessions in game obviously not in the real world (laughs) that can happen but you know that's a different issue but um in in game time so a character regains a set amount of sanity uh every one or two months 
Um, and that can improve based on if you go to therapy, if you do self-care, uh, which is like getting in touch with your key backstory component, or checking yourself into a sanitarium. So those are the three major ways you can do that. The fourth being the um, the skill improvement. And then the keeper being nice to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it, it's not like it can feel like, oh no, I just lost Sandy. I'm never going to see those points again. That's not true. Uh, there are ways to get it back. It's just, it's difficult. It is easy to lose Sandy and it is hard to get it back, but it's not impossible. Yeah, so just, you know, don't be reckless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's key to this game. Now, we talked a bit about the magic system in the previous episodes. Uh, if I remember right, you told us that magic points are like you spend them and they never come back. Is that, do I have no, that right? No, 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 no. Um, if that's what I said, then I was wrong. Magic points do come back. They actually recover okay. They recover pretty quickly. Uh, unlike your health, which recovers at a rate of about like one per day, like one point per day, magic points go back to full within a 24-hour period. So oh. you get an amount of magic points back per hour based on dividing what your pa- magic power total is by 24 essentially so uh so yeah that's essentially how magic power works like you you can get that back pretty quickly the stuff you can't get back are if some we did talk about this and this is probably what you're thinking of is that some spells will require you to spend pow your power like there's there's magic power there's magic points and then there's power power determines your magic points um, oh okay and so some very powerful spells require you to spend power and that is next to impossible to get back so while you can probably sling like you know base level spells uh and be like pretty successful uh, if your sanity can keep up with it um <laughs> Being like a god level magic user who casts really powerful magics all the time, that's going to be a pretty short lived character. Got it. So, what are those low level spells that I could, you know, so there's like stuff like wither limb, like something that you can make someone's limb wither, or. And that's low level. (laughs) Yeah, that's low level. There's some others. I'd have to look it up, but, um, you know, basic damage sort of spells but again even just a basic damage spell is going to cost you some sanity um so they're not exactly something you want to be slinging all the time uh the more powerful spells are like let's see if we can contact cthulhu because that seems like a good idea (laughs) (laughs) speed run insane characters yeah um and uh the the ones that that tend to eat your like uh, an actual characteristic doesn't necessarily have to be power i think some actually take care a different characteristic from you are the the ritual spells like stuff meant to banish things or uh bind a creature or summon cthulhu (laughs) (laughs) let's say can i find like an innocent teenager and put them at the center of the circle and then drain their characteristics, but still benefit from the ritual. Um, there are actually some spells that require you to sacrifice a person, but you still, but you still have to sacrifice some stuff from yourself too. So yeah, (laughs) I know for a free lunch. Yeah. Uh, 
Cool. Well, I'm hoping there's some folks at home who have listened to these episodes we've recorded, said Call of Cthulhu is for me and I want to get involved. Uh, How should they get started? So there's lots of ways. Uh, There are games running on startplaying.com all the time. Or you can find stuff, uh, I'm sure, public listings on Roll20. You can also, if you want to run it yourself, uh, the starter set is really, really good. It's probably I reviewed it. It is one of the better starter sets I've ever seen for a role playing game. It's really good. It has a, a booklet that teaches you that's a, it's a solo adventure for just one person for you as a keeper to learn how to be a keeper and how the game works. It's the best way to learn how to do the game, which is great. I want every game to do this. Um, (laughs) And bonus points there. Isn't it structured like a goosebump style, choose your own adventure book? It is. Yeah. It is structured like a goosebump, like a choose your own adventure book. Um, It's, it's really good. And uh, I recommend playing through it multiple times. Don't just play through it once because again, it's depending on your choices, you're going to interact with a part of, the system but not all of it i encourage you to keep playing it and see if you can get all the endings to it because there are a lot of endings to that that uh that game and it's a good story like i think it's really well done yeah and so after that like it it slowly introduces you to more and more stuff like it has three adventures the one i ran for these two was actually from that starter set it's called paper chase and it's meant to be played after you play the keeper introduction scenario you're supposed to do it with one other player but as you saw you can do it with two and then the next one after that ups the ante to a full party of about 3 to 4 people and then the last one is like about 5 to 6 or you can stick with that four people and what's great about it is is that it doesn't throw a bunch of stuff at you. Like you can read the manual if you want to, but you could also just learn how to run the game by just following that set that I just told you about because it slowly introduces you to new mechanics in every adventure and has little asides that tells you, hey, this is how this works. Uh, if you want more information, you can find it on this page. It's very helpful really helped me running uh this game for these two guys because uh that way i didn't have to like flip through this huge tome that is the keeper's book handbook that feels (laughs) it's not as big i don't think as the dungeon master's guide but it is it, it is big but yeah and it can be kind of a slog to get through so i think this is a better way to go about it and then after you've done all of that if you still have questions that's what the keeper's handbook is there for and that's a better way to go about it than just throwing a bunch of it just say read the keeper's handbook good luck (laughs) (laughs) you'll figure it out so you mentioned the keeper's handbook uh what are the other books that comprise the core rule books so there's the Investigator's Handbook. Uh, that one is substantially shorter than the Keeper's Handbook. It's about half the length. And that's that's just something that you can hand to your players. And it presents stuff pretty well. Um, the Starter Kit, I believe, also uh, provides a quick start rules, which is just the basic rules you need to run all of the adventures that they give you in the starter set. If you want to suggestions on good campaigns that you could probably run if you just want to get into it yes please that would be uh a time to harvest is really good uh if you like invasion of the body snatchers that's kind of the vibe the uh other one that i mentioned before i got the name wrong masks of nyarlathotep is considered one of the classic uh call of cthulhu 
campaigns is it's really old. They've been doing it for a while. They have it out for for the seventh edition, which is the current one, and you can do it for both classic or pulp Cthulhu. Uh, a good starter one for pulp Cthulhu is the twin is the twin headed serpent. I think it's called. Um, that one is. Really fun, classic pulp-style adventure. Uh, there, there's a lot of really good ones. Like You can't really go wrong. Chaosium really does put a lot of work into their adventures, and they all, especially the newer ones, are all really structured very well. Uh, and they have a lot of contingency plans and stuff. So like, you know, if the players do this, that's weird shouldn't have happened but here's how <laughs> here's how we fix it essentially which i appreciate especially coming from D where they don't do that as much so so yeah like just any of those are good starting points and will be a lot of fun for your players awesome and if you want to support this podcast we will have affiliate links linked in the show notes uh feel free to go click through buy and yeah start playing call of cthulhu yeah, and you can also read my review on our our uh, site about the starter set if you want more information about that. That's I just checked. That's also in the show notes, so go read that too. <laughs> Perfect. All hail the Leisure Illuminati! Hail, hail! I feel like this one's especially a special hail because the Leisure Illuminati really feels like it fits in Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a thing that I add in my next Call of Cthulhu game. <laughs> uh. <laughs> It's like, those men over there plotting sure look relaxed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dan secretly like, runs a cabal uh, dedicated, to, dedicated to Dagon. Yeah, it's like the, the Leisure Illuminati. It's all golf and bocce ball and Mai Tais. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds about uh, right. It's my kind of cult. I would go on that vacation. I need that vacation <laughs> right now. <laughs> Dan, how do I join? <laughs> I'm Reynold James. You'll find me at AmateurJack.com and on Twitter and Instagram at JackAmateur. I'm Tyler Campster. You'll find me at RPGBot.net, Facebook and Twitter, RPGBOTDOTNET. Uh, I'm Ash Eli. You can follow me on Twitter at GravenAshes or at my YouTube channel, Ash Raven Media, also at GravenAshes, where I'm soon going to be releasing probably looks like a four-hour video at this point, so that'll be fun for me. Uh. <laughs> If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You'll find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for sourcebooks and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on rpgbot.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. Please also consider supporting us on Patreon, where you'll find ad-free podcast episodes, early access to rpgbot.content, polls for future content, and access to the rpgbot.discord. You'll find us at patreon.com slash RPG Oh, man. <laughs> that was fun.